Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 164 of the Dawson D Show, and it's fair to say this could be an explosive one. Our guest today is one of the most polarizing men Melbourne has ever seen. He is a former 300-game legend for the Geelong Footy Club, the star on our screens for over 25 years on the Footy Show, and the host of the controversial podcast, You Cannot Be Serious. Strap yourself in for the ever-outspoken and absolute legend, Sam Newman. Whether you love him or hate him, there's simply only one Sam Newman, and we were honored that he would welcome us into his studio and generously give us some of his time. And as it usually is with Sam, he's in the news as we speak. But hopefully after listening to this episode, you'll hear a few sides to Sam and in some moments really humanises the stoic man that he is. From the hilarious footy show stories that left us with tears of laughter to the reflective stories of some of his great mates like Jason Dunstall, Eddie Maguire and Shane Crawford, when Sam gets on a humorous roll, you can't slow him down. In particular, stay tuned for the 10 metre swimming pool dive story. It's an absolute classic. Sam shared some of his other famous stories, from being broke and getting back on his feet through provocative interviews for the paper, to the infamous Triple M talkback story, there's some absolute beauties in here. And of course, Sam shares some of his unfiltered opinions on current events in the AFL. But one of the tougher moments of this podcast to listen to was when Sam reflected on the sudden and tragic loss of his wife. The pain in his voice tells it all. Now, if you're new here, make sure you subscribe and follow us, and you can also watch the entire podcast on YouTube too. And remember to check out some of our other interviews with AFL stars like James Hurd and Matthew Richardson. All right, let's get into it now. Here he is, the one, the only, John Sammy Newman. Well, Doss, we are away from home today and we've been welcomed to Sam Newman's beautiful studio. So firstly, Sam, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. We were talking a bit just before, but Don and you, the podcast is going well. You're enjoying it. It's, uh, you said Don doesn't do much. You do all of it. Is that true? Is it? <laughs> Don does nothing. No, absolutely <laughs> nothing. He turns up here late uh, on most occasions. And uh, has no notes, no prepares nothing, and just waits for me to ask him a question, which he never answers, uh, <laughs> and just goes off on a tangent on his own. So that's why we think it's different. Uh, we're not two yeah. normal people speaking about daily events. So we're speaking about a man who just speaks about whatever he wants to speak about, whether we're interested or not. Well, that's why we, why we love you, Sam. The thing about this that we found quite interesting is we were listening to a podcast you did probably seven or eight years ago with Mark Howard. Mark was almost throughout the podcast is almost educating you about what po- podcasting is. But for, for you now, this is a perfect platform for somebody like yourself that doesn't have, say, TV networks breathing down your neck and you can actually speak your truth. You must enjoy the process of podcasting. Yes, I'll tell you how this started. As quite Mark would be quite right. I had no idea about anything that is electronic or um, <laughs> in the uh, new millennial millennium. And I play golf with the... Uh, St Kilda, ex-St Kilda coach Grant Thomas and uh, ex-footballer, played for North. And we're driving down to play golf down to um, where we are members, down on the Mornington Peninsula. And we're chatting in the car. It's about an hour and 20 minutes to drive. And we're chatting about people who drive badly and things that we were mentioning (laughs) as we're driving along. And he said, you know, we should do a podcast. Uh, I said, about what? He said, about exactly what we've been chatting about all the way down. I said, yeah. I said, well, we should... If you think it's a good idea, we should do a pilot. He said, well, we've done one. And I said, have we? He said, yep, I've recorded this uh, on the phone, all the trip down. So that's how it started. So then we got Mike Sheehan in uh, as well to add a bit of, um, I don't know, 
I'm not sure what to add with Mike, but anyhow, he came on. <laughs> and uh, they were um, about as polarised as two people you can get, Mike Sheehan and Grant Thomas. <laughs> and uh, so that's why we did it. And then I dressed myself up. Uh, Grant's a very top businessman and mm. got a IT company going and was selling his hardware or software to a bank, which he f- has eventually done. And I came in, this was when... Uh, trans and people playing men playing women's sport i came in dressed as a woman and said i was going to join <laughs> the ladies this. golf tour <laughs> and all uh, oh, hell broke loose because grant could see that uh, all the people he just didn't want to get involved in politically incorrect things to affect his business sure quite rightly yeah. so and i said mate I think I should withdraw. He said, well, could you tone down? I said, no, we're not toning down. We did this because, and he said, yep. No, we're very good friends. And I said, I'll withdraw. And we'll, so we moved, stopped doing the podcast with him. And then I started here with Mike Sheehan and Don Scott. And we've been doing this for four or five years here. And then Mike uh, jumped out, jumped jumped off the Mm -hmm. podcast after we got charged by Gil McLaughlin in the most ridiculous and fraudulent and bogus charge of vilification when we were discussing why Nicky Winmar lifted his jumper up out at Victoria Park 30 years ago and we made no reference to Nicky Winmar's Indigenous uh, background. We mm. just said, and I wasn't at the game, but the other two were, and they said they thought, and most people thought it was about his uh, fitness pointing to his stomach. And he said, Widmar, that was about his skin colour. And we accepted that. But the general discussion uh, was that uh, we had vilified Widmar and to his everlasting shame, uh, the most incompetent uh, CEO of the AFL ever, Gil McLaughlin, charged us with vilification through three people under the bus only for his own political, social eliteness and just in case he was... Uh, embarrassed about his own whiteness and um, never forgive him for it or just a disgraceful act of throwing people under the bus. Did Nicky Wimmer get in touch after uh, that? Like, do you have a relationship with him? I, 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 uh, you might know the infamous uh, time which I uh, oh, yeah, th- yeah. painted my face black uh, coming on the footy show and uh, that was... Uh, Yep, yeah, not meant to do that apparently. So um, I've met Nicky Winmar after that and shaken hands and he uh, he's pushed, I won't say he's pushed, but people who have an agenda round up behind all those causes and uh, want to make names for themselves. People like Peter Jess, he pushes all that sort of stuff. Peter Jess, of course, who ran two sets of books at Carlton when he was... Um, helping them out there, you know, these are the people that are judging you for your morality and yet uh, what they accuse you of, they do worse in spades. Mm. So I can see you looking at me thinking, gee, I wonder if any of this is uh, legal or we'll get into trouble for this. All that is perfectly true. Yeah. The, the good thing is, Sam, on our podcast where uh, we've got the little E, which means uh, you can pretty much say... You know, apart well, from being neo Nazi content, that, we were, we're, we're all pretty that's good. well documented. And, and, and <laughs> Sam, the good news is we're not here to uh, push no, any. We we we, we uh, love it. We've had plenty of controversies yeah. controversies ourselves, not probably to the same degree that you have, but um, we'll get across your career shortly. But interested to hear about even the current day AFL. In your opinion, you've been outspoken in the past about modern day football. Yes. How do you feel about it currently? Have you 
did you watch the games on the weekend? Yes, well, there's a, so I don't watch the football at all because okay. it's uh, ticked me off for a whole lot of different reasons. So I have been a captive audience for all the finals games. And if ever I had an opinion about how our game's going and how it's declined, the finals games have Im- inf- reinforced that 100-fold. They've been shocking games. It doesn't matter if they're close and you mm. get 100,000 people to the ground. They've been disgraceful displays of what our game once used to be, except for the fact that the two sides that play the game almost properly or almost that is recognisable from yesteryear are the uh, Brisbane Lions and the Greater West Sydney side yep. who actually take the game on, kick it down to um, people who they think might be able to finish the uh, piece of playoff by kicking a goal, uh, go in pretty hard at the ball, don't fuck around with it too much. And uh, if you compare that to the Melbourne sides who play, uh, I, mean, I, th- I sit and watch it and you think, how does people let this game be played like this, whether it be the coaching staff, the managers of uh, game tactics, and uh, I don't care what anyone says, they've been disgraceful games, but except uh, the Brisbane Lions and uh, the Greater West Sydney side. Mm. Yep. They play a good brand. Oh, kind of timely. Have you got some memories of Ron Barassi? He's obviously sadly just yeah, passed away. Yeah. You know, you guys. Ah, yeah, no, I have. Um, like uh, everyone, I'm, I'm sort of old enough to I played with him uh, in state games and I played against him when he played for Melbourne and Carlton. And, um, and I've had a long radio career with him on the, uh, not so much the television, but certainly the... Uh, Radio with him and Rex Hunt and doing special comments at the football and uh, man oh man uh, what a man I've I've said this someone asked me you know it's pretty hard to uh, trot out the same old uh, generic accolades about people but I, I I would say I've met two great Australians in my life one of them was. Sir Weary Dunlop. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sir Weary Dunlop. I, I have not. No, I'll be honest. Well, Sir Weary Dunlop was a, uh, a doctor, an army man, and was taken prisoner by the Japanese and looked after all the other prisoners of war, the Australians, and sacrificed himself and got tortured and beaten because he's... Anyhow, he, and he was just a marvellous Australian. And I said, and there's another one, is Ron Barassi. The two greatest Australians I've met are Ron Barassi and Sir Weary Dunlop and uh, anyone else after that. There's daylight between the rest, so um, that's that's Ron. For yeah. what reason, though? What, what, because he what? was um, ethical mm-hmm. and moral and straight and honest and naive. And when I say naive, uh, there's so many... Things I remember we were doing the broadcast with Rex and it started to become overcast at the MCG. And Ron said, I reckon the Weather Bureau shortly will be uh, issuing a sheet, S H E T, a sheet weather alert for um, people in the country. And Rex said, I think you mean sheep. <laughs> S H E P, and Ron said, "No, it's sheet. A sheet weather alert to warn the housewives to bring their washing off the line." <laughs> and Rex said, "Ron, you fucking bullshit." He said. So Rex rang the weather bureau during the half time at the. And he said, "We've got Billy Bunter on the phone from fucking I don't know the yeah. bomb for the Bureau of Meteorology." And he said, 
Could you tell us, uh, Bill, or what Billy's name was? He said, is it sheep or sheet? He said, no, it's sheep for the farmers to bring the sheep into uh, sort of uh, more, more s- s- shaded or, or, or safer, safer areas of the farm. And, and so, so that was Ron. So that was uh, so, so sheep weather alert. And I could, I could cite so many things and um, Ron would get a bit uh, testy when you uh, questioned whether he was right or wrong about things. But he was a fantastic man. And never held a grudge, and we had some great times with him. Yeah, going back to before, at the, well, probably after your playing days, your kind of step into the media. You were in, was it? You were writing in the paper, weren't you? Yep. I uh, okay. I I backed. I backed. I guaranteed a man who I was working with in business. Uh, guaranteed him at the bank, and he went broke, and the bank took my um, house off me. I didn't go bankrupt, but I had no money at all. So I thought, wow. Uh, so I then thought I might got the idea from a Playboy interview I was <laughs> reading uh, about someone was interviewing Sure. This is 30 years ago. And I thought, gee, that'd be interesting. I might see if I can interview a couple of people who play football along those lines. Just ask really in- invasive and intrusive questions. Yep. Do it verbatim. Don't take anything out of context. If they say this or that, just put it down. If they say don't answer that question, I'll put that down. So I just did it word for word. And on the first one I did was Dermot Brereton. And I took it to uh, Colin Duck at the, he- the Sun in those days, before it was the Herald Sun. And I said, would you print an interview like this if, uh, I, could, uh, if, if I could do these? He said, oh, shit, he said, wow. He said, would we ever? I said, well... I asked Dermot, I said, do you mind if I show? He said, not at all. So Colin said, oh, yeah, if you can get an interview. I said, well, that is an interview. He said, that's an interview. He said, did you ask him those questions? I said, yep. So that's how it started. So I did, it, w- it went um, it went about three different editors and the Sun and became the Herald Sun and they used to put them in. I did about 100 and don't know how many I did, but it, it morphed in from uh, doing uh, footballers to sports people to politicians to visiting celebrities and you know they're pretty pretty straight questions that I thought people who read all this stuff would like to know the answers to not the not the lollipop and honey rolling down the footpath stuff just you know ask them the straight questions and uh, people they didn't mind seem to, to mind answering them and if they did they told me mm. so uh, so then I uh, started uh, on the television after Jack Dyer. I was the captain at Geelong. I was at the Kazali Award function at the the Hilton it was in those days. Oh, the Southern Cross it was in those days. And um, Jack had had an accident. So they got me out of the audience to compare his segment. And they seemed to like the way I did it. And uh, that's how it started. One of my uh, favourite interviews of all time is on the footy show when you sat down with Jack Dyer. Yeah. Um, and... What a great man he seemed to be, but did he have any influence on you in your style when going into the media and commentary? Uh, now, that's a very good question because Jack would, would no more give anyone any advice because he wouldn't think, uh, he just wouldn't think to do that. He, Jack was Jack, but I've said this many times. Jack prepared nothing. He was the most humorous man I've ever met because he didn't try and be funny and he didn't know he was. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't try anything he was. He, he didn't try to be anything that he wasn't. 
And I, I, I have uh, sort of uh, took a leaf out of that book. And he was, uh, he was about as entertaining him and Lou. And Lou was the uh, consummate showman who prepared everything and was trying to, you know, but Jack just did it off the top of his head. And they used to, him and the major, uh, the, the, the captain and the major, uh, I can't think of the major's name, a, a bloke called, um, oh, gee, his name's Major, uh, not Bill Major, um, Gee, he'll be happy I've forgotten his name. <laughs> but they used to broadcast on 3KZ, the football. They used okay. to turn up just before the ball was bounced. Uh, as soon as the ball siren had gone at the end of it, they'd say, well, we thought so-and-so was best in the ground, and then they'd pack up and go while all the other stations would do the pre-game analysis mm. and then the after-match uh, you know, synopsis of what was going on. And they, they, they won the ratings. that They were the most popular broadcast yeah. team. Uh, gee, I can't think of um, the major, uh, the captain and the major, Jack Dyer, and how bad that I can't think of his name. Anyhow, they so that's what they used to do. Jack used to wander in. I don't think he knew any of the players, and the, the major had tidied it all up. And <laughs> Jack Jack would make statements like, "Oh yeah, you got where the ball ain't. Never get where the ball ain't." And they paired <laughs> off in threes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he said, I've only got two words and two words to say to you players, believe in yourself, mm. uh, all that sort of stuff. And he was legendary for uh, making faux pas he didn't know he'd made. Yeah. But then you also worked with, well, it looks like someone that was the opposite, which is completely the, the epitome of perfect preparation, Eddie. Like, was Eddie yep. a real pre- prepared person? Eddie is absolutely... Uh, now, I've said this before, and people say, well, how would you know about this? And I say, well, only from looking and learning from what people have told me. Uh, I would say there'd be no better person in the world, in the world, in the world, than Eddie Maguire to front a live broadcast or a function or a special or a whatever... On the radio or the television, he is uh, the best. He's worked at it. He's uh, articulate. He's as smart as a whip. And uh, I don't think people realise how hard it is to look down the barrel of a camera. No rehearsal, no auto cue, no cue cards, no idiot sheets, no mistakes. Just do it straight off the top of your head down the barrel and then walk away and say anything else. And people say, wow. We'd put a couple of hours aside uh, to do this. We thought, and he said, nope, people just don't believe he's fantastic. And uh, I know he gets criticised a lot because most of what he says is absolutely spot on yeah. and true. And uh, I know he taints himself a little, I use that word kindly, because of his um, his am- amid, avid uh, support of Collingwood. But, uh, you know, look at what he did with that side. He saved them from bankruptcy, got 100%. them out to their headquarters out on the old Olympic Park. I mean, holy mackerel. They should make a statue to him. And now he's a friend of mine, and I'm happy to say that, but I'd like to know anyone that uh, would disagree with anything I said then. No, don't think you'd find many. So we do want to talk a little bit about the footy show, of course, because there's so many memorable moments, but I'm very interested in what happened when the show went off air. Do you have any memories of any times when Eddie might have given you a, a good old-fashioned spray so obviously we don't have any relationship with Eddie but we do hear stories that he can fire up when things oh, perhaps yeah. go wrong no. has there been something that springs to your mind that you went off air and then the, you know the show goes off air the, the crowd goes home and then he said Sam and uh, <laughs> no he said that plenty of times but, but he is a uh, 
I say this uh, absolutely uh, with great respect. He's a control freak and he demands excellence and perfection from the people who he employs or who are charged with running his show or our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I'm a different generation to Ed and he got me on there probably because he thought I would do exactly what I did and uh, I didn't go to any of the... Um, did he hand select you? Was that how it worked? How did you? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, Ian Johnson, the late Ian Johnson, got Eddie over from Channel Ten as a reporter to start. His idea was to start a footy show mm. with uh, comedian Trevor Marmalade. Uh, Eddie is the host, and they said they should have someone a little more uh, mature. I-, I thought they meant mature, as in um, you know, like sensible. sensible he yeah. meant just older. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, he thought the dynamic would be a straight man, a, a comedian and someone who probably had an opinion wasn't afraid to say it uh, and that's how that started so he did select me and I'm a very good friend of his but he, he, uh, he, he took me aside every now and again and said mate come on and I said well Ed uh, you know there's a fine line between Doing this and doing and uh, what that dreadful inverted air commas uh, theatre is to what's about, and I think the success of the show is the fact that I I never knew really who was on the show until I got there. I didn't uh, make <laughs> I, I didn't uh, we didn't rehearse anything we said. I just did it off the top of my head, and uh, most of the times I uh, said things that I shouldn't have or did things that I shouldn't have. He uh, had to tidy up. Which he did, mm. and uh, so did Gary and James when they took over from Ed when he went up to run the network, and Rebecca and Hutchie. Uh, so they are all uh, very good people, very good people. And the secret of our show, I can't talk about anyone else's because I've never been on anyone else's. I've never seen anyone else's. The secret of our show, I think, is that uh, there's a there's a a very seldom used word in show business uh, called generosity you've got to be generous to the people you work with never step over what they're doing never try and one-up them never try and gazump them never try and knife them in the back when it's your turn to speak let them never use any broadcast as a uh, as a job interview for bigger and better things just be happy what you're doing and if someone thinks you're any good they'll ask you to do something else it's mm, very good advice one of, one of my favourite things that you did, and I'd love to hear what you were feeling in that moment, but when you jumped off that 10-metre dive board. Yep. Uh, well, uh, so this is, uh, this is a classic example of this. <laughs> now, you must remember that uh, our show went live to air. Yeah. Well, go, that's the amazing thing. Didn't go, wasn't on five-second delay, wasn't recorded. It, what, when you'd, uh, so I keep saying to the people, the times I got suspended and fined by the Australian Broadcasting Tribunal, if we had even had our show on five second delay no one would ever know i did any of those things because they wouldn't have gone to air yeah no one would know and i came out and walked behind ed with my face painted black no one would know that i bought uh, a mannequin on that looked like <laughs> caroline, caroline wilson, wilson. Yeah. no one would know that shane crawford pulled my pants down and left <laughs> my plums hanging out there on <laughs> national television so no one would know i did any of those things because they would never have gone to air no one would know any of the things i'd said about men or women or people but we had two two dirigibles two huge balloons called <laughs> bill brownless and brian taylor who had wandered out to the uh, msac the uh, swimming pool and had jumped off the th- 
10 metre, 33 feet it is in the air. They jumped off it and they nearly shit themselves and they held their noses. They hit. And I had, this first time I saw it was when Ed played it or who, it might have been Gary or James, mm. it was Gary and James. And they they said, didn't dive, did they? They just jumped. No, they jumped. And I said, and they said, oh, and we had Bill and uh, uh, <laughs> Brian out there, oh, look at this. And, I, and they jumped and I said, what's good about that, Gary? They said, oh, it's pretty high. I said, why don't they dive? And he said, well, you dive. I said, me dive. I said, I'll go up next week and dive off the board. How piss weak is that? So anyhow, if you say that, uh, they all know the crew and yeah, they got onto that and they publicised that I was going to dive. I've never dived off a board in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and mind you, were you in your 60s at this point? Oh, I was. Yeah, I was in my. Uh, yeah, I absolutely was. Oh, well, no, I might have been uh, in my sixties. Yeah. yeah, I was well over sixty. So we get out there, and we used to use, and uh, we got criticised for this. We used use a, a little man called Arthur, <laughs> who's who I said was a dwarf, and and they said, oh no, you can't call him a dwarf. He's a he's a little person. I said, Arthur's a fucking dwarf. <laughs> Ask him. I said, what are you, Arthur? He said, a dwarf. And I said. That's how he makes. I said, "We're not taking the well, we're taking the piss out of ourselves and him." He said, "That's how he makes his money. He's delighted to come on and be part of our skits." Uh, and so, I'm standing there in my budgie smugglers up on top of the tower. I'd never dived in my life, and Shane Crawford's there trying to push me off, and Arthur's there as a doctor. He's got a <laughs> headlamp on and a fucking stethoscope, and he's checking me out. Anyhow, so uh, we're watching the monitor and. Uh, Gary said, right oh, it's over the MSAC. Sam's going to dive off the board. I'm not like those piss week two that week before. <laughs> and I, I stepped to the edge of the thing. And honestly, because uh, the water's clear, you don't know where the surface of the water is. It just looks as though you're jumping yeah. into space. And someone said, now, don't just dive down. Jump out like a swallow and then, then and try and hit the water at 90 degrees, ver- you know, vertically. I said, oh, yeah, good idea. So, uh, anyhow, Gary said, right, hey, Foss, and Shane's there. And I, I, I had some handcuffs that someone had given me, and I handcuffed myself to Shane. <laughs> I said, so if you push me, Shane, you're coming with me. Very, so, very smart. Yeah, so, anyhow, so we undid the handcuffs. So Gary said, get on with it. So out I jumped, and I got out, and I thought half, I jumped out, and I thought halfway out, I thought, I'm going to die. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I hit the water at 45 degrees. I got a hernia, an inguinal hernia out of it. And I was swimming to the edge of the pool and Shane had raced down to interview me and I've actually got a hernia and I'm going, ah, and they thought I was putting that on. And uh, so that was the great great diving off the board, the most frightening thing I've ever done. I've done a few frightening things in my life, but if you've never done it before, I invite someone next time you're down at a swimming pool and they've got a 10 metre board, go and dive off and see how you go. I bet. I'm I'm not putting putting my hand up as, as, as we speak. But you mentioned Shane Crawford. Um, yeah. Your relationship with him, talk to us a little bit about that dynamic because on air at least it was just brilliant. I mean, you, you seem to just know how to push your buttons. Um, well, uh, Shane was Shane was a loose cannon. He he uh, he was a naughty little boy, <laughs> and um, he he was up for it all. He had a great sense of uh, the theatre of it, and his one aim 
I'm I'm probably uh, I'm probably thirty years older than Shane. I might be forty years. I don't know how old Shane is. How old Shane? I'm thirty years old. His one aim was to actually cause me as much pain and injury and grief on the show. He'd <laughs> squirt me with a uh, fire hydrant. He'd tip shit over my head. He'd punch me in the ring if we had to do boxing. He, he, his whole idea was to try and hurt me severely. And uh, uh, and he is a naughty little boy. And he pulled my pants down that day. And um, he, uh, but he was good for the show. People loved him. Uh, people. Loved him as much as they hated me, so that was a good dynamic. And um, he, um, a very good operator, Shane, and uh, was a great value to the network. And now is, uh, I went and watched him in a stage play called Joseph and His Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, which uh, he got criticised. I don't yeah. know why. He was very good in it. Well, I, when I saw him, he was very good in it. And so we met the cast after. Now, I'm just saying this because uh, I don't give a stuff what you are, but I met the cast who were made up of <laughs> heterosexuals, homosexuals, fucking Z generation, Z generation, LGBTQ people, people, trans people. They're fantastic people. Shane said, Sam will take you out in his boat. I said, Bull- <laughs> said Bullsh- bullshit, I will. Uh, so... Um, Believe it or not, when the show ended, he said, they're all looking forward to coming out in your boat. And I said, really? So, anyhow, they all turned up one day on a great day. We had the best day. They were fantastic people. And Shane drove the whole lot and I drove them. They drove. They tried to grope me, rape me, pull my dick out. They did. They were fantastic. Just just playing the game. And um, so they they had a fantastic time on the boat. So that's Shane. Shane had just... uh, he was an inf- had an infectious personality, and he's uh, just a really uh, naughty, <laughs> <laughs> dopey, brainless boy. You seem like you were all really good mates, though. Like you, you know, you you, you had. They just looked like you had the dream job, all you boys. He's like you were yeah. all mates. You were all together. You were no, having fun. We were. And then as you I went overseas, went on trips. We like did. No, as I say, because no one ever thought that anyone was trying to dud anyone to climb the ladder. Mm. Uh, they all uh, there was uh, the, the regulars were Bill and Fev was fantastic and uh, oh, we had a, we had a band of we had a uh, they had or Ed did had a, a list of about ten people that were rotate through the desk beside the guests when 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 they became available or not and there was uh, the regulars were mm. about ten ex footballers and uh, then the absolute regulars were me and um, Eddie and Trevor and then when Trevor left it was Bill mainly. So uh, that that was the standard staple people who uh, who did it, and then then we'd get the footballers to come in, or the personalities who used to, their managers and the clubs used to really clamber to get them on the footy show, and then when it got a bit edgy, and we yeah. started asking them a bit questions, and all the sponsors got involved, and then the woke brigade round us <laughs> up, they got very fearful of sending the players in in case they said something they shouldn't say, and because uh, it's live, mm. and um, so then uh, we had to. Struggle to get players on, uh, but uh, I've said I can't say to anyone. I'll say to you boys: doesn't matter the questions you're asked; mm. it's the answers you give. So, never be frightened or worried about any question you get asked. It's up to you how you answer it. A close family friend of ours and best mate of Dad's, Brett, love it. Yeah, uh, the story. Oh, yep. Have you heard this? Yep. Sure. <laughs> it's, again, I remember Sam. I can't remember which one it was. It was 
But one of the episodes, you said it was one of the funniest moments on, on the footy show. Oh, well, Gary did. Uh, is that oh, when he started to sweat? Yeah. So, so he came on, he was shit scared. He was so nervous. And, and, uh, and, and uh, so he came on and G- Gary said, he's a bit nervous, Sam. I said, you should go easy on him. I said, Look, what, mate, this is, you know, before he walked out, I said, well, what do you mean? I'll go easy on him. I'm going to ask him. A qu- so he comes out and he sits down and he says, now I know you don't like doing this sort of stuff, mate. And he started, he visibly started, you'd think someone had, he just started to leak. <laughs> leak fluid from all, every fucking his nose and came out. And in the end he was sitting there, you'd think, you'd think he just got out of a swimming pool. And, uh, and, I, and Gary had got onto this and I looked at him I said... <laughs> I said, mate. I said, if it makes you feel, if it makes you feel more relaxed, more at home, I had a glass of water. I just tipped it over his head, and and, and he he sort of saw the humorous side. We we didn't like to we didn't like to make dickheads out of people we'd asked to come on, or yeah. didn't try like a bit like David Schwartz with the pie. Uh, yes, we didn't we didn't because we appreciate them coming on, but. That's live television. I thought, I'll have a go at this. And he'll either say, oh, he'll either get up and belt me or he'll see the funny side of it because he knew he was sweating. And Gary <laughs> said, it's the funniest thing. He said, Christ <laughs> almighty. And um, so, yeah, so, the, so there are things on the spur of the moment you do. Not rehearsed. You can't rehearse all that stuff because mm. how would you know someone's going to sweat? So that's what we used to do, just do it on the spur of the moment. And as I say, if that had been taped in... Uh, Brett, or I think it was Brett, didn't want that to go to air. It, you wouldn't have seen that. So. Yeah, of course. So it's a bit like um, performing without a safety net, and that was the adrenaline rush we got out of doing it. And I loved doing it until um, the Woke Brigade caught up with us. Came in. And uh, it was fantastic. <laughs> We'd got away with it for 25 yeah. years, which is the longest-running live-to-air television show in Australia. Wow. Because uh, hey hey, it's Saturday started on Saturday morning, mm. and then went to a different time slot. So, mm. well, we've lost. Unfortunately, we've lost that magic. I mean, we grew up at the very tail end of, well, not the very tail end, but towards the tail end of mid nineties. We were, yeah. yeah, well, born. But by the time we started watching it, it's probably mid two thousands. But we certainly had all the VHSs and DVDs that that, yep. that have it. But one of my favourites, Sam, and is, and it always makes me laugh. Whenever I need to laugh, I'll just find it on YouTube and listen to you talk about Jason Dunstall, yeah. whether it's on the show or yeah. on, on, on radio. Yeah. Um, and some of the funniest things I think I've ever heard is when you, when you ring in, you know, I don't yeah. know if it was expected or unexpected, but you'd ring in and you might have been playing golf and you might have yeah. saw, you know, a, a movement in the trees. No. <laughs> but I just so, think that's some of the funniest so stuff I've ever heard. I used to work heard. with the chief on, uh, uh, on Triple M and I said to the chief, and uh, I can say this because he's... A Caucasian, yeah, I, I, and I always international. We need always to point qualify that. Out. that. Yeah. I said, <laughs> Chief, on Triple M one day, and I said, Mate, please don't take offence at this, but you look like a silverback. <laughs> you are seriously, and he said, and he he called, he started calling me the foss, the fossilised old tarpaulin, like a crumpled up old fucking tarpaulin lying in the side of a shed, and I said, Chief. And I called him the chief. I started calling him the chief because he was made temporary manager of Hawthorne when someone... Right. Uh, and I said, well, the chief of Hawthorne, he came in, sit behind his mahogany desk there, he said, yeah, the chief of staff chief. And that's how that started. 
And I said, mate, you look like a you look like a, an ape. You seriously do. <laughs> and I think about a chief at East City. He said, oh, I can't. He didn't say fuck yourself on Triple M. But he said, mate, ease up. I said, no, chief, please listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> and James Brayshaw has collapsed onto the floor at the stage. And uh, I said, you think about it. You got a very uh, ape-like head. You got no neck. Goes straight into your torso. You got a long back. You got uh, short little buns. You got short little feet. You got opposable thumbs on your hand. I said, and you you, you smell. Yeah, and you fucking you come into what's known as must, uh, which is a uh, sexual thing that um, uh, that mammals, particularly elephants and apes, they emit from their body when they're on heat. And he said, "I ease up or I'll knock out. I said, Chief, please. Oh, and, and anyhow, he played the game. Yeah. And I, uh, that I, I then started to embellish. Uh, James Brayshaw said, oh, mate, <laughs> the Chief's. Anyhow, so the next week, the, the Chief used to drive in. He used to have a brown Volvo. And I said, we'd get in there early. And the Chief had come in a bit later on for the preamble and on Triple M football. I said, Think the chief will be listening to this, uh, uh, Jim James? He said, "I wouldn't think he would be." I said, "Oh, that's good." Do you think if you're in Swan Street now and you think that there's an an ape or a silverback beside you in a brown Volvo, don't call the zoo? And James 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 would just he would just because oh, and God. and anyhow he'd come in and and I would, and he'd say to me. Hey, mate, he said, I'm listening to that shit. He said, I said, mate, do you think I... I said, James asked me to do it. And, and then... <laughs> James, James said, go on, give the, give the chief a bit of a tweak again. <laughs> so then I used to go out to sports nights and uh, someone say exactly what you've asked me and I used to, I used to go a bit heavier then. Mm. I said... Well, I said, I oh, the chief, and I went through all these, he's got little ears and little button eyes and like, I said, I said, if you put a profile, morphed a profile beside the chief and a fucking silverback, they'd be identical, which is a great compliment, they're magnificent mammals. And I said, and I was out playing golf one day and the chief's out there and we're swinging away and he, then he started to sweat round near his ass. I said, I said, I think he must have been coming on must, getting sexually aroused. I said, because, I said, we get out there and we're playing on one of the holes and the wind got up and he, the trees started to sway and he, he just suddenly just lost concentration. He looked up at the trees and he thought, fuck, I should be in those trees. <laughs> and, he, and I said, and if he goes into the trees and you're playing with him, just... Just take no notice of him because he'll turn up. So I said, and we're playing on, and about eight holes later he arrives on the green with winter nuts and berries and fucking food to eat. He'd been going... Well, fuck that. Uh, so, anyhow, let's go. The chief That's heard so this. Funny. The chief heard oh. this. The chief. This got back to the chief. He said, "Mate, he said, could you built me any more?" And I said, "Chief, it's humorous, isn't it?" So we <laughs> yeah. rang him up one day. We then we used to show clips of uh, actual real yeah. silverbacks mating and you know dog. That's right. Fucking dog. Fucking yeah. Their, and I said. There's the chief on the way to the football. <laughs> and, and, and anyhow, I did. This is the only time I've ever preempted anything. I rang him up one day. I said, Chief, I said, they've got a whole lot of skits and shit. They want me to wear a fucking suit with a red ass on it and lie on it. And I said, Do you mind if we ring you up on air? He said, What? Oh, this, is, this is a private comment. I said, We'll ring you up. If you could just answer the phone, I don't give a fuck what you say, but answer the phone, will you? <laughs> 
No, well, I might. Anyhow, so he played the game beautifully. So we're on the... Then Gary and James didn't know this. Well, they must have, because we had the phone there. Anyhow, I said, I'm lying on the banana lounge and I'm picking my ass with my fingers and all. I said, Gary said, do you think the chief... I said, do you think the chief minds us doing this? And Gary said, I said, let's ask him. <laughs> so he answered the first So he wouldn't answer it the first time. And then he eventually answered it and I said, Chief, you're on air, don't swear. He said, what do you mean I'm on air? Go. And I said, don't swear. So he hung up. And so we had it three times, time constraints on television. Sure. Gary said, we can't ring him anymore. And I said to the audience, will we try one more time? <laughs> so so he, he picked it up eventually. He said, I said, Chief, it's your old mate, the Foss. Don't hang up, Chief, please, don't hang up. He said, what's wrong with you? And he, he did it beautifully. I said, now, Chief, do you mind if I dress up like an ape? Because you look like an ape. He said, you crumpled up old fool. He said, what's wrong with you? You're going senile. I said, you know, and I've got my red ass here. Do you mind? Do you think that's vaguely humorous? <laughs> oh, he didn't say get fucked. He said, no, nah, that's it. I've had enough. And he hung up. So, oh, classy. Uh, it was classic. It was uh, classic stuff. The me. Chief. And he's a very good man, very yeah. intelligent man, yeah. he's very good at what he does. Yeah. But shit, he looks like an ape. <laughs> well, there's that f- really good, uh, and it happened a few years back when you were doing special comments. Didn't you? You dropped the, a zinger on air, didn't you? You dropped the fuckwit live on Triple M, didn't you? Was, oh, mate, uh, so, so. Well, 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 hang on a minute. Now, you asked me at the start of this about the football. Yeah. So this is, uh, the, the game has been in decline in my, and, and, and I always say this, if you love football, good on you, it's fantastic, it's the most patronised sport per capita of the population in the world. Mm. If you love it, they've had nearly 100,000 to fucking every game they've played this <laughs> week, uh, as, uh, if you love it, it's fantastic, no one gives a stuff how their side plays as long as no. they win, and that's a fact. True. But I had to go and watch games for Triple M, and, uh, and I'd been, I'd, I'd filled in for someone. I don't know. I'd watched three games in a row. And it got to Sunday, and I was filling in for. I was doing special comments. And it was the worst game I've ever seen. And I and they, the, the stations don't like you to run down the games because it puts the sponsors off, and the people think, oh well, this man's. I'm not going to listen to this, and not going to bag him. So I'll turn on to another station. Yeah. And they said, don't run the game down, Sam. And I said, oh well, mate. I'm, oh, all right. So, Anyhow, I watched it. So we get to the end and I said, oh. and they said, you do a rundown, you do a clean up of the game. I said, this is the worst, probably the worst game I've ever seen. I'm not seriously. There was, there was five, 18, one side kicked and the other one didn't score a goal for us and there was not a mark. I don't think, no one could mark a beach ball if you took them down, let alone take one over a head in a football. So a bloke that we used to do talk back and they said, is Newman there or Foss or something? I said, yeah, I'm here. He said, I thought it was a good game. I said, were you at the game? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, you're a fuckwit. <laughs> and Brian Taylor's, Brian Taylor's the, on, on the compare. And he said, oh, 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 Sam. I said, Brian, mate, seriously, you can't listen to that shit. Yeah. Anyhow, so that was it. So Gary Pert called me in on... Um, Oh, the next day he's running Triple M and he said, mate, he said, I think you I tell you what we'll do. He said, you can't say that. You can't do that. You can't swear and you can't run the listeners down. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do because we'll, they like the preamble, all the stuff about the chief. He said, why don't you come and do the pre-match? Uh, 
from 12 to 1 or whatever it was, 12 till 2. And then when the game starts, go home. I said, really? <laughs> I, said, he, I said, would there be a diminution of pay? He said, no, we'll keep you on uh, your contract until the end of the year. He said, um, just come in, do the two hours and go home. And he said, and we'll see you, con- honour your contract. And I said, Gary, that's mighty neighbourly of you. I, sh- I should have told someone to get fucked three years ago. <laughs> Anyhow, so that was it. Oh, so that was the end of my radio <coughs> career. And then uh, eventually it became the end of my television career. Yeah. Well, we do need to ask because I'm not sure how across you are <coughs> on uh, things like... <laughs> Sam's just having a little cough at the moment. That's okay. No, nah, sorry, mate. Got- Don't stress at all. We, uh, We've we- come out of a sick bed to do this. No, yeah. we, well, we, we, we really appreciate it. I haven't la- had a laugh like no, this for a long time. But Sam, I don't know how across you are with, uh, with social media in general. I know you're mm-hmm. quite outspoken about it for a long time. But these days, a lot of people get a lot of attention by doing street interviews, um, yep. going around with wireless microphones yep. and, and cameras and asking people questions. We did a bit of it last year at the footy with another brand and we're asking our fans more provocative questions. It yep. also saw us in a little bit of trouble at times. But... You really were the pioneer of that style of content, whether you probably know it or not, especially in this country, because everybody that does it mentions you and Street Talk. So talk to us about the whole concept of Street Talk and maybe just if things that just flow to your mind when you think about it, perhaps some of the people you interviewed, the places you went, Mm. uh, but the general concept for for listeners that may not be aware. Yeah, okay, so... Street Talk sort of uh, started when Harvey Silver was uh, the first producer of the show, and this is when Trevor and I and Eddie were just uh, just in its in, in its infancy. It's been going a couple of years, and um, maybe just one year to be going. And we were to interview a bloke called Leslie Nielsen, who was in those Flying High movies. You know the aeroplane ones where they they send up Leslie Nielsen. Don't know. Flying high. What are they called? Naked gun. Nah, well done. Naked, well done, Bailey. Naked done. gun, and and he was an airline. And then they had naked gun one and naked gun, two. and he was to come on. And he had a. He never came on. This is how it started. But he he used to think it was funny. He had a little ball that when you squeeze it, it sounded like a fart. <laughs> and and I met him. I'd met him before. <laughs> and I sat down. And when I sat down, he went. Yeah. He said. Was that you, Sam? I said, wasn't me, mate. Well, he, well, and he, he used to do it to everyone. I thought, how fucking childish can you... And anyhow, so anyhow, he was uh, scheduled to come on and be interviewed on the show. And he didn't turn up. And Harvey Silver said, shit, we got, we've designated a quarter of an hour or ten minutes for this interview. He said, we've got to f- need a filler. So he said... I said, I don't know if I said... He said, he'd take the microphone, go and speak to someone in the audience or something. Wow, that's how it started, and that was pretty successful. Oh, it was pretty, pretty watchable. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Not did. from me. I just asked the questions, and then we start, and then we start to do it proper, and uh, it just grew. And and um, we used to go all over Australia, and people used to say you used to pick out the areas where you thought there were fucking idiots and numph nuffs, and I said, <laughs> not at all. We used to go to where there were. Topical areas, like if someone from Footscray was playing their first game, we'd go out to Footscray. Hawthorne, Collingwood, someone... They said you never go and interview people in uh, 
outside the stock exchange, I said, we will, we'll go out next week and interview people outside the stock exchange. So I did. And men and women, captains of industry, would wander out and I'd say, hello, sir, what do you think of the pies? There they say, Yes, and they're a good side, yes, I think they... <laughs> and we had a whole lot of people, and I, we took it back, and, and the I didn't do, edit it out, but the editors put it out, and we put it to air. I said, let me show you what happens when we try and be... We try and not entertain you. Sure. So they put it to air, and it was the most boring, and people <laughs> yeah. said, what are you doing? And I said, right, that's the good experiment, well done. <laughs> so we would go out, and uh, we'd go out to place... Uh, like, honestly... And people used to love it. They used yeah. to come from every... We didn't even have to walk down the street. I was going to ask. Get yeah. out of the car and they'd come like moths around <laughs> a porch light at 3am in the morning. They'd just fucking flock. And uh, I, instead of asking the man outside the stock exchange, what do you think of Collingwood? I'd say, what do you think of Collingwood, mate? And he'd say, how are they hanging, Sam? And I'd say, how's what hanging? How are your balls hanging? And I'd say... What's that got to do with Collingwood? He said, what did you ask me? <laughs> uh, they take no notice of the question. They just wanted, uh. whether they wound us up or not, they just wanted to be on television. And, yeah. then, and then people said, oh, you're going out looking for idiots. I said, we're not looking for idiots. The idiots are looking for us. Yeah. <laughs> and they used to love being on. And we spoke up, we spoke up to a bloke, my best ever, the best ever. I, I, we, we tried to contact this man later. <laughs> I was up in Oxford Street in, in, in um, Sydney and this man who was absolutely drug-fucked in a business suit and his eyes were so wide they looked like the moon and he walked up and I said, Sir, I'm asking you about uh, the swans. He said, Oh, yes, 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 the swans. He said, I've, I've seen them. I said, Where? He said, On the, on the bay, on the harbour. I said... Not those fucking... I said, the Sydney Swans, he said, oh, yes, yes, yes. And I said, and what do you think of... Eddie's was the host. I said, what do you think of Eddie Maguire? He said, oh, it's a great player. <laughs> and he was trying to be serious. He was yeah. trying to show that he wasn't fucked. And it was the f- most humorous. And he was... And I said, well, thanks a lot. He said, we tried to contact a few people who... A few people who were absolutely on smack or whatever they were, they'd come on and we thought, well, we'll put them to where they, they wanted to. And we had several people, several, who would contact us and say, mate, I saw myself on television and realised how fucked I am. And I said, you, in a sort of indirect way, helped me clear my life up. Wow. wow. Now we did. And we had uh, people who were either freshly out of jail or were on the run. Uh, <laughs> uh, they they yeah, yeah. see themselves, the coppers would ring us up and say, you better just give us where you've met that man <laughs> or person. And um, no, the people used to love it. And then um, then the, the, the vocal minority started to uh, get in touch with the station, said, you can't keep doing this to the public. And they we said, well, doing what to the public? We just... If I get out and have a microphone and a camera and stand there and someone comes up and speaks to me, I said, was that... So you know what happened after that. So then we got round up and then the sponsors got involved and then they said, oh... But we make no apology for anything we did. People used to love it. Mm. Like some of my favourite parts were the lady, like the more more recent years, but the times when you had to... How long did it take to film all those intros for the grand final footy show? Like, you know, you did the parodies? Oh, yeah. No, mate, they, they they were... uh, people, the grand final footy show, now this has nothing to do with me or the people on it, so let me, 
They, they, that is that is world class production stuff. Yeah. They, you just think about putting live to air. We sold the we sold the uh, Rod Laver Arena out quicker than any artist that came over. Any band they sold it out in half an hour. They used to, mm. and um, fifteen thousand people or fourteen thousand. And we used to go and do all the parodies. We spent weeks doing that. It, mm. And they were so professional that people at nine, the crew and the uh, the, the behind the scenes people. They were brilliant, and to get the uh, coordinate all the players to come in and do dances and <laughs> choreography. So to do all that, to get the best of street talk, to give out all the awards, and the people who won the car for uh, uh, that other segment we did about you know would have been what? Uh, um, yeah, not would have yeah, been the, champions. Um, almost, almost, almost footy, footy legends. legends. Yeah, AFL. Almost <laughs> footy legends. Uh, to give all the prizes out, and it, it, it was a monumental uh, achievement of uh, logistics. And uh, you know, the great thing is that someone had sabotaged and go pull the plug on the. Uh, and they said they had contingency plans for all that, and that that was live to air. And yeah. uh, people, you tell people that overseas. I know they do it at the Super Bowl, and the, but that's one song to put yeah. a whole show together for three hours and coordinate it was extraordinary and world class. Mm. And so, and I, and I think they're they're resurrecting the grand final footy shows for grand final week. They're just going to show I think I did f- see that. show yeah. them. I, I I don't know. Obviously, oh, they're not refilming something. No, no they're just re-showing. putting oh. re-showing the ones from nineteen ninety four to oh. two thousand, whenever the last one was. Mm. Great. I don't know. Uh, so, so the the problem they'll have, and this is Eddie's station, yeah. Jam TV, are doing it. The problem they'll have is the things that were entertaining and humorous, and people loved. There'll be a fine line between what they can show in yeah. this day and age, yeah, and what people will say. Oh, well, they've shown all this shit again and all that and stuff. And and I said to Ed, I oh, mate, I said if they're going to remember the footy show for anything, not that he'd taken any notice of me, yeah. they're going to remember the footy show for the humorous or just bite the bullet and show the whole stuff that you think people want to watch. He said, yeah, we, we will do that, but... I said, yeah, I know the but. Anyhow, so I don't know what they're going to show. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I know we're just backtracking a little bit, but you meant we talked about Arthur for a little yep. while, and, and for a long time you had this great on-air relationship with Roland Roccicelli, yep. who was obviously a, a homosexual man. But well, he's a, I think he's asexual, but anyway, oh, he's sorry, a very sorry. Well, there you go. Then my no, apologies. That's right. No, but, he's, but, he, he, but, he um, would call himself anything you wanted exactly to call Exactly right. He's but people man. might look at that now and think you're taking the piss. But yeah, we yeah. were taking the piss. We take the piss. I'll tell you who we took the piss out of first. Yourselves. Ourselves. Yeah. We never took ourselves too seriously. We were never, uh, we were, we were never trying to downgrade or, or um, make people feel uncomfortable uncom- that, that came on the show. Roland, I've known Roland for ages, a long, like, long time. Some long, of the best TV too. Long time, and he played the game beautifully. He's an old thespian, uh, <laughs> and he knows how it works, and uh, he would play up, up to me, and I'd be the big macho footballer, and he'd be the... Uh, the nice petite uh, metrosexual, and um, <laughs> uh, no, it was fantastic. He he he, he loved it, and uh, we loved it. And uh, as I say, we, we, I get accused, or got accused, still do, of being a sexist, racist, transphobic, homophobic. I get accused of being anything that ends in ick or ist. Uh, and I say, well, that might be because. I don't care who you are or what you are if I just look at you as people. And if That's right. 
you are a fuckwit and you happen to be a different nationality to me, uh, that to me is just, you're just a fuckwit. Mm. Uh, but um, people say that about me. I said this yeah. got nothing to do with what you signal as, what you think you are as, what you are. I, I, I've said, and I'm, I don't know why this. I don't know why everyone in the world doesn't have this opinion. I have no idea why people think it is homophobic or transphobic to say that someone who is a biological male has the right or the arrogance or the pomposity to think they can play female sport uh, for a trophy or for points or for a gold medal. It's all right if you just men want to play women's sport. Yeah. And that's for fun. But if you're serious, uh, why that is allowed to happen is, is beyond me. It is, and they say, well, we'll cut our dick off and we'll cut our balls off and we'll, we are actually a female. And you say, you actually are not a female. You mm. don't know how it works, mate. You've got the mm. DNA of a man. doesn't matter what you do to yourself. You can take hormone reduction, all that shit. I mean, it's just so, it is so ridiculous. And I don't know why everyone doesn't have that opinion. If you want to be anything in you want to be in life, do it. Call yourself anything you like. We'll call you by your pronouns, or well, I won't. Uh, call yourself by your pronouns. They. I will just call you you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, you. How are you? Yeah. Well, no, seriously. They drag you into feeling uncomfortable about living in a planet where one percent of the world makes you act a different way, and why. Um, trust me, Sam. I'm with you. No, it doesn't what? matter if you're not with me. No, I'd I know. Be but happy if you were. I'd be happy to have a. Sensible discussion with you, but it's just so. But that's what I was about to say. I know that, and but the thing is, regardless of all those accusations, the one thing that you always took the piss out of yourself first, and that's the thing that that's that's the that's a missing piece on the other end. They they do not take the piss out of themselves. No, they don't. Um, But yeah, I I just thought, especially how you how you acted on the show, I just thought to totally take yourself not seriously, um, to take the piss out of yourself first. In my opinion, you wouldn't do anything to somebody else you wouldn't do to yourself. That's at least how it came across. That is absolutely right. No, I wouldn't. I've, uh, for bet, I've bungee jumped off the St. Nevis thing over in New Zealand. I've driven one of those big monster trucks. I I don't know if you've ever driven a big monster truck. I haven't, no. Christ, is that hard to do? We went in a uh, V8 and that was enough. No, people said, oh, you didn't drive it. I said, didn't drive it, Christ. Uh, (laughs) I've done, uh, no, we've done plenty of things uh any things that have been very hair raising and but if it was for the show we used to do it uh, so it was good i'd hate to finish without asking about um your good friend shane warne mm-hmm. you guys had a really really yeah. good relationship and um you know do you have a good story about warney or on the golf course i know you you, you played a lot of golf together played a lot of golf together i knew shane uh, from how did i meet shane maybe from coming on the footy show and uh you just click with people. So, so I'm 25 years older than Shane, so I'm in a different generation. And um, we played golf together, and he I, he liked my just the fact we don't take yourself too seriously. We played a lot of golf, went overseas playing golf, played for money. Shane loved playing for money. <laughs> Shane loved money, and um, he he was a, a just a, a really fantastic bloke. For um, I, I keep saying, if they'd actually ever played cricket in America. He would be as big a pop star in the world as anyone. Yeah, and um, he's a, an engaging man, and he was interested in anyone I introduced him to. He was really interested in them. wasn't arrogant, wasn't up himself. knew he was good. didn't tell you, didn't tell people he was. 
great golfer, shocking driver. <laughs> uh, well, he's a very good driver, but just very brisk. And um, <laughs> frighten the crap out of you. And uh, every time I'd, uh, he'd drag me out to places, and as I say, I was over the, really, all that scene. Um, uh, mind you, when I say that scene, he wasn't a drug taker at all, at all, uh, didn't take drugs. But uh, he uh, he used to look after me, he used to treat me, he used to look after me as though he was my father. He'd always come over and make sure I was all right and people weren't hassling me. So he was a brilliant person and uh, never, never killed anyone, never maimed anyone, never punched anyone and he got the crap that they said about him but of course um, it's a backhanded compliment uh, for the very uh, uh, fast-paced life he lived without actually hurting anyone mm. or doing anything uh, that was illegal really except maybe a couple of speeding fines. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't get enough of him and, and that's that really just shows you what people think of him. Uh, if you can just be as... Fairly uh, unobtrusive, not unobtrusive, but just not do really serious things that uh, should get you in the yeah. paper, but to have as much press about him, it just shows you how much he was revered, really. Mm. Very true. This is one of my final questions, and I hope you don't mind me asking, but I'm... I don't I'm mind you asking anything, mate, if you heard me say. Yeah, uh, yes, no, that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. Well, this one might be a little bit more difficult and off-topic to what we've spoken about, but... Let me be the uh, judge of that. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll let yeah, you be the yeah. judge of that, Sam. Um, a couple of years ago, I think, and you might have to correct me if I'm wrong, but you tragically lost your partner at the time, mm. suddenly, yeah. I believe. How did that affect you and how does it affect your life today? Well, um, yeah, so... Um no, that's a sh- mate. I don't want to answer that. That's fucking. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> no, so so so, um, so I've been married uh, three times before. Um, How uh, many wives have you had, sir? Yeah, I, I, of my own, uh, <laughs> only. Uh, so, um, and I went out with this Amanda. Went out. Um, she, Amanda went out with her. I've been going out with her for um, oh, a decade, twelve years. Okay, and. Um, we eventually started living together and she was about to turn 50 and I thought, I took her to um, Japan for her 40th birthday with a couple of friends of mine and I thought, oh, I don't know what to do for her 50th. So I, I just thought she might want to get married. So it didn't worry me because, as I say, I had three goes at it and I, I, wasn't going, <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere else. I was either it was her or I was just going to be on my own. So anyhow, I've got Greg Evans, my great friend and uh, marriage celebrant, to, I said, can we do this? Are we allowed to do this without telling her? And she said, he said, not really, you're meant to give notice. I said, well, <laughs> I, 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 he said, because the only thing is because if it happens and I'm there and they say, hang on a minute, I don't want to marry you. I, I said, no, can I assure you, Greg, that won't happen. You need you, Amanda. So anyhow, so we arranged, uh, so I surprised her one day. As she came in and I said, this is Greg. And, and he, she said, why are you here, Greg? She said, I'm, I'm going to marry you. <laughs> and so that was actually on her 50th birthday. So wow. anyhow, that was the happiest day of her life. Wow. So, and she was a good girl. She was terrific. So, um, yeah. So, um, um, so, so uh, well, a year later... Um, I'm uh, down with some friends and I tried to ring her and um, she's not answering the phone. And um, it just, I, can spe- I couldn't speak about this uh, 
for a long time, but mm. uh, this is just how how the world you live in, how it what it serves up to you. So, uh, so I said, I uh, can't get older. And someone said, whether I think I said, I said she's probably lying. I'm, I'm, I've said this before. I said, God, she's probably lying dead up in the apartment. And um, so I thought nothing of it. So the Pope blokes I was with uh, um, went away and um, I got home and sure enough. So uh, I rang both of them and I said, you won't believe what I'm about to tell you. And that <laughs> they knew exactly what I was about to tell them. They said, don't tell me. And I said, can you believe that? So that's how that happened. And um, so, uh, yeah, and so if, if, I don't know if you've ever been prepared for anything in life. Uh, uh, so when Shane died, I had a bit of an inkling of what it was like to suffer tragedy. But you see, because I'm a, because I'm sort of in the public eye, mm. uh, it, people say, oh, poor old Sam. And I, I said, but please, don't. Don't make this make me any different to anyone else mm. in the world. They all people. This happens on a daily basis to everyone. You just know that I've suffered a bit of grief uh, because I'm sort of in the public eye. But gee, think of the people that go through this every every day. Loved ones die, get killed in a car accident, die of cancer, get on drugs, over. To, oh, I mean, just think about yeah. it. And yeah. so. Uh, I know it, uh, you don't want people to say, oh, poor Sam, and I don't want anyone to say that at all. But um, uh, if someone asks you about it, like you've just did, I'm, I'm happy to answer it, but yeah. I don't volunteer uh, the information. Well, what, what's the point of doing that? No one else volunteers their troubles in life to anyone. Yeah. But if you're asked about it, as I say, you ask me anything you like. But um, uh, So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's uh, so, as, as, as we say, mate... Um, who said life's meant to be fair? Not one person in this world. And you boys would be exactly the same. Uh, yeah. You've lost your dad. I meant knew your dad. Uh, I'm sure you had as much grief as I've had. Yeah. And um, I don't know much about you. Not, but, not um, to that extent. No. Well, yeah, you, you, it'll happen. And yeah. you'll think, yeah. oh, shit, I see why people get a bit upset. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mate, this, we'll make this our last question. Um, what do you want to be remembered for, Sam, your legacy? Like, when you finish... And you're, when, when you die one day, when it's your time, yeah. what do you want everyone to remember you as and what you want your legacy to be? No, look, people say to me, uh, do you think I was, they say, do you think you're a good footballer to me? Or, and I say, doesn't matter what I think, mate, it's up to you. Do you think I was a good footballer? You know, I'm not about to tell you what I think I was and I'm, I, I'm not about to tell you... Uh, what what mm. I what I would like to be uh, not known for, but I'm I think and this is this is a generic thing. I think it'd be nice to be known as a genuinely loyal friend of the people you were friends with, and that you did not dud or didn't dud people in life. Didn't dud people. You might have sent them up, and you might have taken the piss out of them, and you might have had arguments with them. Mm. But I don't think I ever dudded anyone for my own uh, financial or personal gain. Mm. I know that's a bit sounds a bit hokey, doesn't it? A bit hokey, a bit holier than thou. 
but I don't want to be known for anything. I, I, I just whatever people think of me, I don't care what people think of me. I know I care what my friends think of me. Uh, my reputation is what people think I am. My character is what I really am. I know who I am. I don't care what people think of me. I honestly don't care criticism. I've, people give it. I've been criticised the last week over yeah, something, mm, uh, I, and I and I, I, did, I didn't bring it up. But you have a go at me, and I think it's unfair. Don't worry, I'll have a go back at you. Mm. And people say, "Well, don't give those people oxygen. Don't give them a a, a platform." And I say, "Well, why not? Uh, why not? I quite enjoy it. If mm. you're going to belt me, please let me have a crack at building you." If yeah. you give it, you got to take it. Absolutely. Definitely. Nobody does that better than you, Sam, and I think that's why we, we all love you. I mean, um, well, sorry when I say we all. I mean, you're probably the most polarising man in this uh, this great city, but um, but we, as in Dawson D, we certainly love you. You probably don't know, but you, we, we look up to you. We have. A lot of people do. Well, I don't want to be a, your role model, mate. I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, some areas, Sam, perhaps. Yeah, um, no, that's yeah, it. Didn't have, yeah. didn't have the footy talent, that's for sure. Um, but... Honestly, this meant a lot for us to to um, to sit down with you, and thank you so much for having us in your studio. We really appreciate it, and um, yeah, mate, we just want to thank you. Okay, well, <laughs> you want me to stop this now? Seeing as I'm in front of the tunnel, <laughs> right? I'm going so over to here yeah, now. That's if I press that, it'll stop. Dee, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And, of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And, of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, Dee? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in the next episode.